0: Two shootings in the past week in Fayetteville result in arrest and bring into focus the topic of stolen weapons. A woman has been charged with misdemeanor child abuse by allowing the child to live where fentanyl and narcotics were being sold. And a Cumberland County Sheriff's deputy uses a taser on a man at an elementary school. These stories and more on Episode 16 of Crime Time for Friday, May 18th on FayObserver.com. Featuring fabled observer police and crime reporter Nancy McCleary, I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news and hearing from those involved. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. Police respond to a shooting into apartments early Friday morning on Bland Street. No one was injured. Earlier in the week, two men were shot while standing outside of a house on Bighorn Drive. Was there a connection? Here's Fayetteville Police Lieutenant Gary Womble.
1: Well, um, we're not sure if the the shooting is is exactly connected to Bighorn, but we do have some interesting um, uh, revelations that have occurred from these investigations.
0: One thing that is known, in both cases, a stolen weapon was used. More on that in a moment. First, let's ask Nancy McCleary about the shootings. Nancy, welcome. Let's begin with the Monday shooting on Bighorn Drive and the arrest that has been made.
2: Um, The two victims in this shooting were standing outside a house on Bighorn Drive about 9.45 p.m. Monday. Um, Bighorn Drive is in the Foxfire neighborhood off Bonanza Drive. Both of these men were shot in the torso, say Fayetteville police, although neither injury is believed to be life-threatening. On Thursday, Javez Shankway Gilliam Gilliam, of Armstrong Street was charged with two counts each of attempted first-degree murder and assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill. Gilliam was arrested on Dwight Street off Murchison Road in the Sleepy Hollow Mobile Home Park.
0: And what makes this case more interesting, Nancy, is that Gilliam was arrested Thursday just a few hours before the shooting into the apartments on Bland Street, which, by the way, is adjacent to Sleepy Sleepy Hollow Mobile Home Park.
2: In that case, the caller reported that residents of one apartment were, quote, low to the ground because shots were being fired into the building.
0: A good reason to be low to the ground.
2: I'm low to the ground anyway. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's believed that the second apartment was the target, Lieutenant Womble said. Police smelled marijuana in the targeted apartment but found no one inside when they checked checked it out. Lieutenant Womble said witnesses told police that two men left the residence on foot carrying bags. An officer spotted the men walking down Murgus—I Murcus- say Mergeson Road carrying a suitcase and a backpack. A search of the backpack turned up $1,500, about 14 ounces of marijuana, and a Glock 19 handgun that police learned had been, respo- <laughs> had been reported stolen in Lexington County, South Carolina. The men... Bruce Antonio Morales Thompson and Quentin Dwayne Bullard are charged with one count each of possessing a stolen firearm and possessing marijuana with intent to sell and deliver. Thompson also is charged with maintaining a drug dwelling.
0: Yeah, this all gets kind of complicated with dealing with both shootings here at the same time. And again, police say they have not made a connection at this time between the two shootings, although the investigation is continuing as for the other issue, Nancy, uh, these cases bring up stolen weapons. Here's Lieutenant Womble.
1: I uh, want you to make sure you put extra attention on securing the weapons that you own. Um, this is a battle uh, of stolen weapons. is a battle that is not just local, citywide. It's a battle we fight state and nationally. Uh, uh, as you can tell, uh, firearms being stolen out of Texas and South Carolina ending up in federal North Carolina. So... As a joint effort, the uh, Federal Police Department works very closely with the ATF. We work very closely with many federal uh, contingencies uh, to combat these things, and we just want to put this out to the community uh, to give extra attention to your firearms.
2: In the earlier incident, the one that occurred Monday, the Bushmaster rifle that was used in the shooting of the two men was reported stolen By a Texas state trooper in San Antonio, Texas, Lieutenant Womble said, "We've had other stories about weapons being stolen. Police urge owners to make sure weapons are safely stored. That means don't leave them in your vehicle and don't leave them laying around your house. Don't assume that it can't be stolen.
0: It's good advice. You would think it would be common sense, but you know the stories we report here often indicate otherwise." (laughs) Our next story, Nancy. A Robison County jury awarded $17 million to the families of two men whose vehicles were hit by a tractor-trailer on Interstate 74 in 2015. Refresh our memory, if you will, on this case.
2: Well, this crash happened about three miles east of Maxton. John Van Bonnebel Bonnebel of Rayford and Keith Haywood Pate of Laurenburg were returning to work about eight miles away. Bonneville was driving his pickup behind Pate, who was operating a bobtail tractor or a tractor truck without the trailer on it, and it was having mechanical problems. The vehicles, both with flasher's on, were traveling 20 to 30 miles per hour on a straight stretch of I-74. The weather was clear, and there was more than a mile of visibility, according to Wade Bird, who represented the families in the lawsuit. An 18 wheeler hauling grease crashed into the rear of Bonnable's truck at an estimated 69 miles per hour. The pickup, quote, launched from the highway and rolled several times down an embankment and into a tree, Bird's office said. Bonnable died from massive head injuries. The tractor trailer then hit Pate's vehicle, knocking it 641 feet. He suffered permanent injuries.
0: Now, jurors determined in both cases that the truck owner, Darling Ingredients, which was doing business as DarPro Solutions, was negligent because of the actions of the driver, Wilbert Lamar Tillman of Polkton, Byrd said in the statement.
2: Jurors awarded Bonneville's estate $13 million in wrongful death damages. He is survived by his wife and three adult children.
0: And Pate was awarded $4 million in damages. You may remember one of the top stories on last week's edition of Crime Time was about the Fayetteville police officer who was exposed to the drug fentanyl during a search of a home on Bernadine Street. Fortunately, other officers responded quickly, possibly saving the life of Officer Samuel Cook after he had been exposed to the potentially deadly opioid. Dimitri Rashad Everett was charged with drug offenses after the search. A woman who also lived at the residence was not charged at the time, but that has changed, Nancy.
2: Indeed, it has. Diamond Latrice Clark is accused of having a two-year-old child in the home. Clark has been charged with misdemeanor child abuse by allowing the child to live where fentanyl and narcotics were being sold, according to an arrest warrant. Clark and the child were living in the house where Fayetteville Police executed a search warrant and seized heroin, synthetic cannabinoid, also known as spice, and M.D.A. MDMA also known as ecstasy on May 10th
0: police did not find fentanyl in the residence during the search but believe there may have been residue in the house
2: one thing we did learn from this case is that fentanyl can be absorbed through the skin nose or mouth it is a deadly opioid you may not even know you have been exposed officer cook served in the army and was injured in Afghanistan when he came in contact with an IED. He said that ranks at the top of scary situations he's been involved in. Fentanyl comes second.
0: I would say a very close second, and that that, that part of the story, I'm glad everybody's okay, that part of the story was uh, was most telling to me. I, I would not believe that just being around it and just, it could, uh, I guess, soak into your skin, and, it, and you would yeah. be... Uh, uh, have be exposed to it and possibly uh,
2: and they did not even seize fentanyl from right, the residents right. so uh, he uh, officer cook wasn't sure uh, he thinks it may have been in the air or there may have been some on the floor but that's how powerful it is
0: it is uh, unbelievable Well, school safety, Nancy, that is a big topic not only in Cumberland County but throughout the United States as we record this on Friday. I'm sure most of you have heard there's been another school shooting in Texas. It's an important topic these days and for good reason. Rarely a week goes by where somewhere in the country there's a report of a frightening incident at school this week, no difference. Thanks to an alert custodian and the work of a school resource officer here in Cumberland County, a potential safety problem was averted at Galberry Farm Elementary.
2: Authorities say P- Pierre Kevon Miller of Hope Mills wandered onto the Galberry Farm Elementary campus on the morning of Tuesday, May 15th. A school custodian found Miller acting strangely as he was walking in the cafeteria area about 8.15 a.m. When asked, Miller said he was looking for his child. School administrators were not familiar with Miller. Um, The school was then placed on lockdown and 911 was called. At that point, Cumberland County Sheriff's Deputy J.P. Dean reported that he found Miller in the school office going through file cabinets. According to the deputy, Miller refused to comply with, with his orders and then shoved the deputy in the chest, and that's when the officer used a taser on Miller.
0: The entire incident took only about 10 minutes to play out. No students nor staff were harmed, thankfully. Miller was charged with misdemeanor offense of trespassing, resisting arrest, and assault on a government official, and you just cannot be too careful these days. Another sort of a follow-up story. A couple of weeks ago, we reported on a store clerk firing shots at two would-be robbers, hitting one at a convenience store along Cedar Creek Road. Well, in Robeson County, another example of a store clerk prepared for trouble.
2: That's right. A Pembroke store clerk thwarted a robbery when she grabbed her gun, pointed it at the suspect, and fired shots at him as he ran away, according to the Robison County Sheriff's Office. It happened about 9 p.m. Monday, May 14th, at the Country Tobacco Oasis store on Prospect Road. Witnesses said a man walked into the store, and he was wearing a black and camouflage mask over his face. He pointed a gun at the clerk and demanded money. The clerk replied that she had no money, and then she grabbed her weapon and pointed it at him, prompting the suspect to run out of the store the clerk followed the would-be robber to the store entrance and fired three shots to scare him away.
0: And I'm sure that did it. The Robison County Sheriff's Office is reviewing surveillance video in an effort to identify the man. Anyone with information is asked to call the Sheriff's Office at 910-671-3100. Well, let's look at one more story, Nancy, before we wrap it up. It was mid-afternoon on May 1st and Winfred Alfonso Worthy was outside his home on Mont Drive in Spring Lake. There, he was shot several times. Worthy died at the scene. Witnesses reported seeing a Lincoln Continental with two men inside driving away from the scene.
2: On Thursday, one man wanted in the murder was arrested. Actually, um, I was making my nightly run at the magistrate's office to see who'd been arrested, and was getting ready to leave when three plainclothes officers came in with the man. I happened to glance up as I was getting ready to go, and I recognized the man from a release sent out earlier in the week by Spring Lake Police. It was, in fact, Joseph Devon Murkison of Fayetteville, who is charged with first-degree murder and worthy shooting. Investigators believe Murkison was driving the car
0: which leads to the question what about the other person or persons thought to be in the car with Murkison any motive they've come up with so far that that uh, at least they've told us about
2: um, at this point in time, they have not identified a second suspect and they have not had they have released very few details um, about the shooting. Um, but they are continuing to look for suspects who were involved. And if you have any information at all about Winfred Alfonso Worthy's murder, please call the Spring Lake Police Department at 910 436 0350 or Crime Stoppers at 483 8477. That's 483 TIPS.
0: And you can always leave some good tips on that line. Well, that's it for episode 16 of Crime Time for Friday, May 18th. If you enjoyed it, feel free to spread the word about this weekly podcast on fayobserver.com. We certainly appreciate you listening. We welcome your comments and suggestions for Crime Time.
2: You can reach me, Nancy McCleary, by email at nmccleary.com at FayObserver.com. That's nmccleary at FayObserver.com or on Twitter at FO underscore McCleary.
0: And you can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at FayObserver.com or on Twitter at fo Sunny Jones. no underscore for me. Nancy, thanks so much for your time. And again, thank you for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time.